This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports, the guys discuss Shohei Otani's breakout season, the NBA injuries as the postseason begins to wind down, fans have been welcomed back into sporting events, and we discuss the incidents that have happened recently. This week in sports, it goes into a follow-up on our name, image, and likeness discussion from last week, as well as a look forward to the NBA draft. to another episode of the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. We got great news last week that we were approved to be added to the Apple podcast library. So make sure you subscribe to Tunnel Vision Sports on there for all of you iPhone users, as well as following us on Spotify. That's way you'll never miss an upload. Uh, Dylan Jesperson here. I'm joined by my co-host Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Excited for another Friday and another episode of the Dylan and Dylan show. Absolutely. I'm excited to go in today as well. I've enjoyed our conversations with all our guests in the past few weeks, and I'm, I'm looking forward to our possible special guest next week, but I'm also really looking forward to getting back to our classic Dylan and Dylan format this week. So with that being said, we're going to jump right in. I think this first topic came to both of our minds shortly after last week's All-Star Ballots topic, uh, because we both talked about how much we enjoyed playing, watching Shohei Otani play this year. And this week, he made a bunch of big news. Uh, he hit his 28th homer this week, takes the lead in the MLB, as a two-home run lead in that right now. Yesterday, the All-Star ball, or the All-Star starters were announced. Shohei Otani made his first All-Star game as the DH for the American League. The two-way phenom is hitting 277 this year with 63 RBIs, a 685 slugging percentage, and the 28 home runs. On the mound, Otani is 3-1 and one with a 3.60 ERA. First All-Star game is becoming somewhat of a freak and breaking the mold of what we've seen in baseball basically forever. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on uh, the breakout year from Otani? I've absolutely loved watching Shohei Otani. He's one of these guys um, that have kind of brought uh, rejuvenization of baseball, kind of in my life, and I feel like in a lot of fans. You've got guys like Tatis, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Otani, they're just so much fun to watch. And Otani's different than Vlad and Tatis because these are guys that you that you kind of see. They're, they're guys that are just spectacular, but they also bring that swagger and a coolness to baseball. Otani's that, but he's also something that we've really never seen. Uh, a lot of people call him like a modern Babe Ruth, which is true. And he might be better than Babe Ruth. We really don't know because – None, none of us were alive to see Babe in living color. Um, and it's interesting that we're comparing him to Babe uh, the week where he went to the Bronx and tore it up at Yankee Stadium. Uh, 
I kind of wish that uh, we kind of had something like NFL red zone for Otani, like an Otani zone where just every time he was on mound or on the mound, sure, if he's pitching, but in the batter's box, uh, we just – it cuts to it, get to see Otani's at-bats because every single time, even a pop-out, it's just electric. And it seems like he's uh, going yard every other game. He just truly is something special. And it's crazy that the Angels – have two just generational talents and they kind of stink they're 39 and 41 and i i otani deserves better with how he's doing and i i hate how his era kind of got jacked up this week because he, he didn't have the best outing uh against the yankees uh on the mound he was awesome uh in the batter's box but he didn't have the yankees yankees have a kind of a juggernaut of an offense and they show it every once in a while, uh, and they decided to do it against Otani. Kind of jacked up his ERA a little bit. Still still really, really good. 3-6 ERA is nothing to whiff at. Um, but Otani's just awesome to watch. Uh, he's he's a pleasure to cover, and uh, I, I he makes baseball fun to watch. And it's, it's something uh, you hear older guys say, oh, you can't pitch and hit in the MLB. You got to choose one or the other. And Otani's proving that that is just not the case. And it's a pleasure to watch. What have you been? What have been your thoughts on Otani this season? Yeah, I, I I enjoy the Babe Ruth comparisons too. But even looking back as a kind of a baseball fan and a fanatic who poured through the stats, when as a two way player, when Babe Ruth hit his best, he base he basically wasn't a pitcher. He wouldn't take the mound. And in the years where he hit his most home runs, he wasn't pitching in those years. Shohei's doing it while pitching extremely well at the top of his game. Obviously, didn't have a great outing against the Yankees, but uh, has one of the most unhittable pitches. And I think, you know, it just shows there's there's something to be said about how one of a kind his athletic prowess is. Uh, I, I said this once while I was covering his swing just seems so pure, but the 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 top end stats from Shohei are just breathtaking. He has, I think, the second longest average home run this year at like 420 something feet uh he has the second fastest sprint time from home to first which is insane to think about from a pitcher slash dh and that splitter is one of the most unhittable pitches i think it's got like the worst batting average uh, against any pitch in the in the major leagues so his top end is better than anyone and that's what he's he's become just a a star like we've n- never seen before in terms of what he can do in all phases of the game and more than a five tool player at this point, uh, can't even, can't even describe what he is in, in normal baseball terms. And uh, the MLB is just in a great spot with, with Shohei. And like you said, all those young stars, I mean, how many guys are making their first all-star appearance and, and starting in the all-star game this time around. So with Shohei and all of these guys, the MLB, I just think is a great in a great spot with their young stars uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm really a first time in a long time. I'm actually excited to watch an MLB all-star game to actually sit down and watch some of these young stars uh, battle it out against each other. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Yeah. I, um, I think something that's kind of looked over or not uh, kind of put in the limelight enough about Shohei is his size. So I mean, this guy is an elite athlete. I mean, he's 6'4", 203 pounds. That's what he's listed as. And as we know, that's always not exactly the case. So this guy could be the size of like an NBA small forward. And he's just out there pitching and hitting every day. It's just, he's just a freak. And it's crazy to think that a couple of years ago, people were like, oh, we don't know if it's going to work out. This guy might be a little too overhyped. 
think he might have been underhyped. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been amazing to see how quickly this uh, progression has been, and uh, I bet. Uh, just like you, I've had a lot of fun covering him and watching him uh, as he's progressed this year. Uh, happy to see him make his first All-Star game. We'll move on now as we switch gears to the NBA as the NBA playoffs are getting down to the wire. The Suns have already moved on to the finals by winning the West, while the Bucks hold a 3-2 lead now after their win last night over the Hawks. But unfortunately, the series in the East has taken a severe blow as both stars, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Trey Young, have both gone down with injuries. Both are questionable moving forward. And that has become the trend of this postseason, injuries to star players. Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, the list goes on and on of all the stars that have been sidelined post this postseason. I think we talked about this topic a little after the Lakers went down, but Dylan, what is your take on all these injuries that have been happening to the star players in the NBA? Well, I think it's a result of with everything that's happened in the past year with having the shortened break after the bubble and getting right back into basketball. These guys didn't have time to really rest. It was you played this this massive schedule in the bubble, have the playoff in the bubble, and then turn around on little to no rest, basically, and play a whole season, a very a little bit shortened season, and then get right in the playoffs. And these guys aren't used to that. They're used to having an off season where they can rehab and uh, take care of their injuries. And it's kind of, it's kind of shown itself. Um, the NBA has kind of tried to uh, cover themselves saying it's on par, on par. The injuries are with any other season. It doesn't feel like it though. Um, and I, I don't really agree with people saying it's, it's ruined these playoffs. God, these playoffs have been one of the more enjoyable playoffs in a long time, I hate that these injuries just happened because it, it, it's probably hampered them. There's no doubt in that. It's probably some series probably could have been better if everybody was healthy. But I mean, these these playoffs have been remarkable. There's a uh, memorable moment after memorable moment, and I, I think it's really going to be kind of the last team standing, literally and figuratively, is going to be the one to walk away. Because I mean. Literally everyone is dealing with injuries. The two teams left in the East, both their stars are hurt. Like you said, Giannis and Trey are both dealing with injuries. Uh, the Suns, I mean, CP3 and Devin Booker both, they've been banged up all throughout the playoffs. Um, and they've both been able to work through it. Devin Booker will probably have to have plastic surgery because everybody wants to go after his nose. It's I, I feel bad for him. He doesn't deserve that. But he's going through it. He'll put on the mask when he needs to. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's just a – it's a – it's an effect of 2020 just continue to bite, bite us in the butt and take great things from us, uh, which is unfortunate, but hopefully we'll have to get an off season under our belt after, after a fantastic finals and everybody will be able to get healthy and have fun and not deal with crazy injuries anymore. Yeah. I kind of hope Devin Booker just keeps the broken nose as kind of a memento, especially if they win the finals, it's just kind of like a, you know, everyone will look, oh, Devin Booker's nose is all messed up, but we know why, and we remember that run. So that I think that would be kind of cool. But I think for all the people that used to hate on load management in the past few years are now kind of understanding why these guys have to sit out during the regular season a bunch. I know it's tough, even for us, we, we cover NBA games, and it's tough during the regular season to see, you know, LeBron or Kyrie or Anthony Davis sit out. But if that means that we get them late round, postseason uh, healthy and playing at their best then that's what we should actually be rooting for uh because you know it, it is tough and I, I i agree with you these postseason this postseason's been a lot of fun 
Uh, but it's going to put a hamper on anyone who wins the wins the finals because everyone's going to look back and go, oh, well, what if Anthony Davis never got hurt? What if Kyrie and uh, James Harden stayed healthy? Uh, and it's going to – and there's legitimate reasoning why they couldn't have stayed healthy because there was a lot shorter time off. And, you know, so it's going to – it's going to at least put a, a slight tinge on, on whatever team wins the finals. But and, and I know this is all never going to happen, but I think we could cut back on 82 regular season games if that meant that we could keep some of these guys healthy. I know there's a lot of money involved that will never allow that to happen. But if you're not going to if, – if playing 82 regular season games is going to put you at, a, at risk – in these later postseasons to lose your star players like this and in a series where there really was only two star players and have them both go down then I, th- I think it makes more sense to you know play less regular season games so you can get the best postseason maybe extend the postseason a little bit in in uh in to balance it out a little bit but I know it seems like too much of an obvious answer and there's probably too much money involved to ever make that happen but I think that was just like where my thought process went initially but you know, it's, it, it sucks. And I, uh, but I hope that, you know, Trey and Giannis, they, they, they could come back and, and if they could, whichever one of those teams moves on to the finals could make a, a, a really memorable finals between the Suns and whichever team it does end up moving forward. A thousand percent. I, I understand the asterisk uh, debate of, well, like whoever wins, there'll be like the, Hey, well, Giannis wasn't healthy when the Suns went up against them. Trey Young wasn't there. Like the, they didn't have to play against AD with the Lakers. Kawhi was out. They they dealt with all these injuries. But I mean, that's kind of been the mo the last few years. Like when the Raptors beat the Warriors, KD was hurt, and they didn't. They beat a KD-less Warriors team, and uh, the Warriors were able uh, multiple times throughout their dynasty run, they beat teams that were dealing with injuries. They beat the Rockets without uh, Chris Paul one year. They beat the Spurs when the Spurs were looking great without Kawhi. They beat the Cavs when the Cavs basically just had LeBron a couple times. So, I mean, I I think it's just been magnified this year because of the amount of injuries uh, and we can put something behind it. Well, they had less rest. And I think that definitely has a factor into it. But I don't think that um, – whoever wins the championship, it should be that big of an asterisk. Kind of like last year with the Lakers. It wasn't a Mickey Mouse ring. They won the championship. That It's a legitimate thing. It's You, you, you got to go through – you got to go with the hand you're dealt, and that's just how it is right now. Uh, it's what – it's it's not the best thing in the world, but it's just how the games work works. And, um, and it's the great thing about you can come back the next season, get healthy, and you can be in the championship and take it right back. Makes basketball fun. Makes all sport, sports fun. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, and for a Phoenix fan or an Atlanta fan or a Bucks fan, if they win the championship, they're not going to remember that the other stars got hurt. They're just going to remember that ring. So, uh, really, that's all that matters in their eyes. So, we're looking forward to that. Also, looking forward to that NBA roundtable coming very soon. Look for that as soon as that Eastern Conference Finals uh, gets uh, wrapped up. It will be coming soon right after that. We will move forward again to a bit of a more serious topic. I think we covered the bright side of the fans being allowed back into sporting events in an earlier show. And for the most part, fans being welcomed has been a positive welcome back has been a positive experience for all sporting events involved. But a recent event at the Tour de France got us thinking about all the wild events that have taken place since fans have been allowed back into the uh, sporting events and at full capacity. 
Uh, if you didn't see during the Tour de France bicycle race last week, a spectator holding a sign accidentally made contact with a cyclist, causing a massive crash, a pileup of 21 riders. Uh, probably the ugliest incident of fans getting involved in sports as of late, even though it was unintentional. It was sort of a continuation of what we've seen since the fans have been welcomed back into, into sporting events. Obviously, we think back to all the problems the NBA had with the fans in the early rounds. The U.S.-Mexico soccer game had its fair share of ugly moments as well. Uh, but Dylan, what has your, your, your take been on the situation with fans becoming a bit too involved at sporting events? Well, this has been a huge part of the last couple months, I guess, as uh, things have opened up in the entire country, including sports. Um, we've seen... Again, going back to the injuries, this kind of goes hand in hand. The effect 2020 had on people, whether it be your body or your mental, uh, people showed back up to sporting events. And it, we, we got to see it kind of on a big scale because the NBA opened it back up for the playoffs. And everybody was obviously riled up. And we got people just acting like fools. And they, they forgot how to act after spending a year in their house. Uh, and it was unfortunate. And thankfully, after – it felt like it was just like a rough weekend of multiple incidents in the NBA in that first round. It kind of, it calmed down a lot in the NBA. You're not seeing it every single game like it was. Um, the thing that really uh, kind of like took my attention, the, the NBA stuff was not good and it's not to be condoned. And it was just not good at all. But uh, I was watching the USA Mexico soccer match it was in Denver, and obviously USA-Mexico soccer is a great rivalry, has been for a long time. And it was a heated championship match. Like, these two teams ready to go to war. They're wanting to win a championship for their country. And, I mean, at one point, they legitimately stopped the match because fans were chanting slurs. I mean, that's just – what are you doing? I mean, the, sports aren't about that. It's about everybody coming together to have, a, have fun. Like, yeah, banter is fine, whatever. Uh, that um, – I think there's a line. There's a line that is crossed that makes it where we're talking about this right now, where fans are getting out of line. And then if you stay on the other side, we have a lot of fun. Like, I remember in the first round, Memphis and uh, Utah played. And Utah fans, they, they have a reputation of not being the most friendly in the NBA – uh, and I got to pay a little bit more attention to uh, that matchup with the Grizzlies and getting to cover it quite a bit. And John Morant's father, who's very vocal, just like his son, just had nothing but good stories, which kind of surprised people because of Utah fans' reputations. Um, he said they they had no problem just uh, going back and forth, just friendly banter. And that's what you want to see, not stopping a whole international soccer match because of slurs being chanted and bottles thrown on the uh, pitch and uh, so forth. And uh, it, that stuff, it just ruins games and it ruins moments. Uh, it's guys working their whole lives to get to moments and just some random fan uh, after spending a year in the, locked up in the house, ruining it. And it's, it's just no fun. We want the good uh, moments from fans, not the, not the things that stops games and goes viral on the internet for all the wrong reasons. Uh, what have your, what have been your thoughts? Yeah, I share your thoughts on the fact that it's kind of a, a symptom of the times that we are in and, and coming out of with the, with the pandemic and as fans got welcomed back almost 
almost felt like instantly, you know, it, it, they were, they're welcomed back in small portions. And then all of a sudden full capacity crowds came, uh, came like that. And uh, not to excuse any of the dumb, outright dumb things that have happened in the past few weeks, but I think it's probably something sport. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Once, uh, sorry, everyone got a mic issue, but yeah, it's something that I think uh, arenas probably had something going on. Uh, probably should have had something in place and planned moving uh, when once they knew that they were going to go back to full capacity. Because when you're locked up in your house for as long as you are, and sports fans being how they are, you knew something was going to happen. And again, not excusing the the terrible things that have uh, have happened, but uh, it's a good, I think it's good to at least get that out of people's systems because I'm, I, I think what we could have seen bad happen is if this would have happened during a football season, because I think that could have been a lot worse if first time full capacity fans were getting back into the arena was in a, in a college football setting with a hundred thousand people in the stadium, that could have been really bad. So um, as long you know, the Tour de France thing was, uh, again, I said the ugliest because it ended up in people getting hurt and you never want to see that. But as long as we can get these things out of people's systems before, you know, big sporting events happen that we that we can't have these things happen, uh, then, you know, and no one gets hurt, then at the end of the day, we it's not the worst thing in the world, even though definitely don't condone it and uh, definitely don't want to uh, excuse it. But Hopefully fans are getting back. Like you said, the, the NBA at the, f- the first round was uh, kind of the worst, worst of it, but it ended up kind of figuring itself out. And I hope that's how it goes with the rest of the, the rest of everything. All right. Well, that one. It seems, it seems like it really has. Uh, and as we've kind of got past that, I mean, we saw the Knicks crowd was awesome. And then like other big sporting events happened, like the college world series, that was a phenomenal environment in Omaha seeing basically all of Starkville, Mississippi there for the last two weeks, just raising a muck and making a home field advantage for Mississippi state as they uh, rode to their first national championship in school history was awesome to see. Um, Yeah. We definitely want more of that and less of throwing bottles and acting like a fool and seeing uh, I've really enjoyed watching, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks crowd. Uh, they've kind of created a great tradition of throwing people up on the Megatron and uh, having them just chug beers and having fun and making it a party up in Milwaukee. So more of that, less of acting a fool. And I think I think we'll get back in the swing and everybody will have fun and not go to jail and be happy when they go to sporting events. Right, yeah. And you said that there's that specific line and it's, it's, very, it's a very fine line of uh, fun and a good atmosphere uh, when it's, when it's done right. And once you cross that line, bad things can happen. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully it keeps uh, figuring itself out as we move forward towards a a very hyped up football season to say the least. That's it for the main topics. As we move on to our wrap up segment, we call this this week in sports where we look back uh, and look forward on the major events of the week prior and the week upcoming We talked last week about the future of name, image, and likeness rights, and this week we got a monumental change as the NCAA finally announced athletes would be able to profit off their NAL rights. 
Uh, that opened the floodgates, and we are already seeing guys and girls all over the place taking advantage of the new rules. Uh, Dylan, just give me your reaction to the news that we got yesterday. I absolutely love it. Um, it was midnight Thursday night. Uh, these guys and gals could start signing endorsement deals uh, to make some cash off their name, image, image, and likeness, and they immediately did, and I cannot blame them at all. Because in college, you want some extra cash, and they they can just be themselves and make that extra cash. Um, I When I was getting ready for this topic, I was like, what do I want to talk about? And I kind of just wanted to highlight some of the, some of the endorsement deals that kind of stuck out to me or kind of how these athletes are going to uh, capitalize off this. And I've just got uh, four that really stuck out to me. Arkansas wide receiver Trey Knox. And his dog, who's a husky, I, I don't have the dog's name. They um, they got an endorsement deal with PetSmart, which I think is awesome. That that's a great way to get all of this started. Um, Auburn, Auburn quarterback Bo Nix got a deal with Milo's Tea, which is very cool. And, and it's kind of cool to see the banter. Alabama fans posted things all over social media, pouring Milo's Tea out because great rivalry between Auburn and Alabama. It's cool seeing that. Um, a cool story out of this is Marshall lineman Will Ulmer is going to try to play live music again. He said music has been a love of his since he was about eight years old. So now he's going to try to book dates at local venues uh, around Marshall's campus and try to make some money playing music. Because, I mean, these guys and gals, they're, they're athletes, but as they've shown, they're more than that. They, they're in school. They've got other passions. And uh, – now they're going to have a chance to make money doing uh, what they love. And uh, the last one that really stood out to me was Tennessee wide receiver Grant Freckring. He, he's a wide receiver at Tennessee, but he also doubles as CEO of Metro Straw, a ground cover company based out of Atlanta. He's done this since he was 15 years old. So he's been doing it the whole time he's at Tennessee. When midnight struck on uh, Thursday, he immediately had two of his teammates endorse his company. So he's paying his teammates to post on social media. So I thought that was really cool and a, a neat way to, uh, to use the NIL uh, rules. Uh, and I, I guess the last thing I thought of was I feel bad for the guys that missed out on this because, yeah, they're getting to make money, but it seems like a lot of guys are uh, having a lot of fun with it and getting to kind of like get in touch with the communities they're in because they obviously have a strong connection with them. Uh, and getting kind of to promote uh, businesses they like or have created uh, connections and relationships with. So, uh, and, the, and they get to cash in on the big followings they have. So it, it's really neat and feel bad for the guys that uh, maybe graduated th this past year. Yeah. And I, I kind of hope uh, in terms of that, uh, I know both of us are big uh, video game fans, uh, sports video games fans. I'm hoping those NCAA games can expand and maybe th throw in some throwback teams, get get some of those guys some of the money that they deserved uh, in games that they should have been in. But I'm I'm totally on board with you, and I think it's the most fun. It's just been seeing how these athletes are monetizing their brands already, and you can tell they've they've been thinking about it for a long time. Uh, I saw a few Michigan players jumped on this new site. Uh, it's essentially Cameo, but for video games where you get to play one-on-one -on -one with your favorite players you can pay pay them a fee and you get to jump in on their parties which i think is a great idea uh barstool came in and got on got in the game immediately and now it looks like they're cornering the market on the on like a bulk of a bunch of athletes 
and we'll see how this goes because the NCAA kicked the can down the road for so long that they don't really have a solid set of guidelines for athletes. It's a, uh, one article I read basically described it as a Wild West uh, era of uh, where athletes are basically only restricted by what their school restricts them to do, which uh, it's not that much. It depends on the school, though. Uh, when you look at BYU's restrictions, all of a sudden they can't endorse a coffee brand because that would be go against the, the code of honor at, at BYU. So uh, I think it's very interesting, very uh very interesting road. Uh, definitely a positive step, but I think we're going to see how this all plays out and uh, definitely going to see more guidelines coming down the road as, as some of these guys, we're definitely going to see some of these athletes push the boundaries of what they can do. And uh, we'll see some more guidelines come down the road, but uh, I think we're all in agreement. This is a positive step in the right direction for these athletes. Uh, finally, when we wanted to look forward to some NBA draft stuff as the combine wrapped up last week, I think, Big headlines coming out is Dwayne Washington from uh, Ohio State announced he's going to stay in the draft. Kofi Coburn of Illinois entered the transfer portal while staying in the draft. The deadline is coming up next week for players to make their decisions. So draft boards are somewhat being finalized, shaping up. Uh, Dylan, what's on your mind as the draft uh, is coming up coming up soon? Well, I, I, I reckon the big name that's on my mind, and it's probably from recency bias from the tournament, is Johnny Juzang from UCLA because we all saw the magical run that him and the Bruins went on uh, and fell short against the Goliath team of this tournament, uh, Gonzaga. Um, I'm interested to see after a poor combine what his uh, thought process is, if he wants to return to UCLA uh, and play another year with Mick Cronin and the Bruins or try to, try to kind of take a gamble. I don't know how much of a gamble it would be because I, I feel like NBA teams wouldn't have a problem selecting him. I don't know um, if it would be first round, though. He, he might fall in that second round or might even be an uh, undrafted guy. But I, I feel like he could find himself on a roster. Um, and with the NIL rules, it's not like he's going to be sweating for money. He Johnny Juzan can make money. There's no doubt about that. He's a superstar in Los Angeles. He – He's going to be able to find ways to make money. So I, it'll be interesting how much does he love UCLA. He's from California. Uh, he might just decide to return and uh, uh, have some fun at UCLA instead of going pro and maybe pushing the envelope. Uh, and then uh, I've, a name that interested me that I didn't even think about really um, going pro, I just kind of assumed he'd go back, was EJ Liddell out of Ohio State. Uh, he's still uh, considering it. I kind of assumed he would be going back to uh, Ohio State, and he just—he just feels like one of those guys that's a star college player, and it feels like he'll be back in uh, Columbus next season, and he'll be one of the best players in the Big Ten, and they'll continue uh, what they've started uh, with Ohio State, and uh, it feels like a rejuvenation of Buckeye basketball, which is probably not what you want to hear, but it looks like they—they've they've started something up there. Um, and then Kofi Coburn, that news yesterday of him entering the transfer portal got me intrigued because I don't see him going pro. He might, I mean, there's been plenty of examples of guys that you might think, oh, well, he's not ready to go pro, but they, they say, well, to heck with that. I'm, I'm an NBA player. Um, I, I really think he'll follow the footsteps of a couple of his college coaches from Illinois that went to Kentucky and transfer to Kentucky, played with coach Cal because that seems like a piece that Kentucky's missed 
in the last few years where they haven't been as dominant in the SEC as a big, dominant, big man like Kofi Coburn. Coburn. And that would be scary for me as a Tennessee fan. I don't want to see them get a guy like Kofi. Um, yeah, those are guys that I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with them if they decide to stay or go. They've got till next next week. It's July 7th, I believe, is the date they stay or go date. And then uh, then after that happens, we've got kind of a set field and we get to look at who's going where. Uh, I think we're all pretty pretty confident on who's going number one to Detroit. And then after that, you never know. Uh, we don't know what Golden State's doing. There's been all kinds of hypothetical trades talked about. Uh, and no one even knows about two and three. With Jalen Green and Evan Mobley, no one knows what in the world's going on. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch play out uh, and just see what happens. I think all of it's going to pick up really next week when we find out what the field is of the – potential uh draftees uh what have been your thoughts as we're getting closer uh to this draft process really kicking off yeah I think you touched on like my two main points uh, obviously all these big guys uh there's all these big 10 guys that are making their decisions uh, have got me curious you know Kofi what he's gonna end up doing he was dominant at Illinois uh, throw Hunter Dickinson in that realm too because he still hasn't made his decision as well uh, EJ Liddell Dwayne Washington uh, deciding to actually stay in the draft so uh, uh, I, I believe Aaron Wiggins decided he was coming back though for Maryland so that's the only Big Ten guy I think that's decided to come back but uh, since the Pistons won the lottery I've been dead focused on Cade Cunningham and the future of that team it's been it's been fun to be optimistic about any of my Detroit teams. It's been a while since any of them have even been uh, close to something like this. So uh, even though they're a few years, it's probably still a few years away from being competitive. Uh, when the draft comes up, I, uh, I think a lot and a lot and hard about what, what the Pistons are going to look like with Cade Cunningham on that team. Uh one name that I do want to throw out there and I think is a dark horse. Uh, I watched a bit of the combine games, uh, the scrimmages that happened. Quentin Grimes out of Houston may be the dark horse sleeper pick. He was originally a Kansas guy, was thought to be a one and done guy. Didn't really work out uh, with uh, Coach Self there. Transferred to Houston. He was the American Athletic Conference Player of the Year this year, and he tore it up at the Combine. Had great games. And one, what I saw was uh, a dude that can not only make his own shot or, or create his own shot, but create for others and had a tremendous court vision for, for a guy that didn't play at one of the power conferences. Uh, uh, definitely going to be a steal because he looks like he's slated to be maybe a second round pick could maybe jump into that late first round pick. If, the, if people notice what he did at the combine, but I think quit look out for that name in the next couple of years. I think Quentin Grimes is going to make a big difference on the team. Uh, and, and a lot of people are going to be wondering how he slipped so far in the draft. Because uh, he's a he's a special talent, uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. The NBA draft, uh, we're definitely going to have more content coming up with that coming soon. So keep your eye out for that. Make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you can never uh, miss those. Thank you, Dylan, for another great show this week. Thanks to all the listeners for sticking around to the end. A quick reminder where you can find us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV Sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. And I, I just want to wish good luck to Joey Chestnut and the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition this weekend, uh, July 4th staple. Just wanted to throw that out there.
Absolutely. Can't, can't forget Joey Chestnut. As, uh, July 4th is coming up. Uh, we wanted to wish everyone a happy July 4th weekend. From the Dylan and Dylan show to you guys, everyone stay safe this week and, and have a good week. We will see you all next week.